From Hong Kong, Chicago and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 141. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hello. Hello, Perry. Yo. And we're doing this show as, uh, I think it's like a, it's a proof of life, really, isn't it? We are, we are still here. Um, <laughs> I think it's, um, I think it's actually just over four weeks since our last show. Uh, it almost, almost feels like it's a confession. <laughs> For, forgive us, we have sinned, which is actually quite true, uh, but I'm sure that we have. Um, and so we're seeking penance uh, by doing another podcast. Um, but before we get going on that one, the first thing I want to do is thank our, I can't say last week's guest, can I? Um, our last guest uh, that was on here, and that was Anil Mystery. Um, who did an absolutely super job of uh, sitting in for Johnny, and uh, we had a had a damn good chat, and we and he sold out all of his um, his his photo book as well, which was which was great because that photo book that he did was was wonderful, um, and something that came out of that show, which it's just worth recapping on, um, is we have a competition running, um, and that is you will win a copy of Annal's photo book and you can't even buy it anymore now so it's even it's extra special uh, this is about the only place you can get one of these things still in its cellophane wrapper um, and that is to send us a cameragram cameragram <laughs> which uh, isn't like it's so it's a sort of anagram based on cameras if you haven't already worked that one out um, and that's so what we're after is a combination of um lens names camera names that go together that form a phrase or word or sentence uh which is really funny uh because it really needs to be funny or clever or witty some, something on those lines and uh, the winner uh, will get a copy of Annal's book and we haven't worked out when we're going to decide to check everybody's entries we've had quite a few but you know there's still time to, to get in there and we haven't worked out how we're going to judge it but we'll probably get a guest in to help us much of the same way as we had uh, Graeme Jago from the Southern 16 podcast uh, uh, manfully get through the uh, the haikus um, that we that we had last time so yeah uh, and and because the prize is uh, mint and rare now um, stop using those online anagram generators yeah yeah, that's just, it is cheating. I mean, there's no way we're going to be able to tell. But, yeah, just, just sticking words into into a into a website and just see what it spews out. Come on, you can do better than that. Yeah, so we... Yeah, it's, it's COVID. You got free time. Yeah, and you know what? We should, we should set an algorithm up um, that will actually uh, um, sift out these computer-generated answers. So there you go. Um, they, they won't get through. So, so there... <laughs> right well on to on to this week's show um, because i know that uh, uh johnny's in the background there thinking oh why are we doing another competition uh well <laughs> i didn't even how did you i didn't even i didn't even whisper it simon how did you know <laughs> yeah, exactly we, we, just, we could just feel it you can sense it we're, we're in three time zones and we knew we could just feel the frustration built building up from from the chicago i don't even area. have the, i don't even have the mon i don't even have the video on <laughs> at least we're not giving away a lens i was just gonna say at least it's not like some bogus ass lens 
that we're giving away <laughs> to help Simon get rid of his, you know, stash on yeah. his hoard, empty out his hoard. Well, that's that's probably a good time to mention our other uh, long-running competition at this moment, um, oh, and that, <laughs> and that Wait, is what? yes, yes, we have a we have a, a another competition that's been running for quite some time, um, and uh, actually, somebody oh. No, no, no. It has. It has not been entered properly, other than by um, Mike Gutterman. Mike Gutterman's the only man, or woman, or person uh, that's actually done done the, done what we asked, and that's to drink uh, some Jepson's Malort uh, on air, um, or rather on video live, um, and we want to see your reaction. And you've got to mention the the podcast at the same time, or else it'll be void. Um, but so far, Mike, Mike Gutterman is the only entry into that competition. And, you know, Mike wants some competition. He, he's, he's oh, actually, no, he doesn't actually. I think he already just wants to win the prize. Um, but the, the prize is a Raynox 135mm F2.8 wet on wet bokeh lens. Um, that's that's the important piece about that. Um, and I haven't looked at it for so long, I can't even remember what mount it's on. Um, I think it's I was gonna, I, I, Have we not given this thing away already? No. No. Oh my god. It shows that our listeners are good at doing a cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they, they recognize that the the mental, physical, and personal cost of drinking Malort is significantly that significantly outweighs the benefit of a, a Raynox lens. Life skills, you degenerates. <laughs> good good decision making make good choices so uh so yes so um the, the the there is no there is no finish date for that competition it's just going to happen when somebody somebody enters it um and then we can go who will go up against mike who's done an absolutely brilliant job and if you haven't actually seen mike drinking a lot on our behalf um head over to our youtube channel uh, which is Classic Lenses Podcast YouTube channel, which frankly is probably the only thing worth watching on there because most of the time it's uh, it's just looking at a stills picture and listening to us, which you've probably already heard it. Um, but this, in this case, you will actually see him uh, drinking a lot, and it's 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 priceless. Um, right, so on to this week's show, and let's head over to the Hong Kong scene and Perry G. Um. Okay, I, I haven't been up to that much. Um, after our last show, I went out and I shot a roll of film uh, on the Bessa R4M and uh, with a Canon 25mm f3.5 LTM lens. So that, that was pretty cool. Just, you know, getting out there and shooting some film. That combo is so sweet. When we did our Christmas special, uh, that was... The, that was one of the things on my wish list, and it is, you know, it's worth every little, it's worth every penny. That so was, I was going to say that was Christmas 2019, wasn't it? We did the Christmas special this time around, did we? Uh, no, we did not, because oh. Christmas was, Christmas did not exist last year. Yeah, it wasn't it's quite so special. Form. No, um, I don't, I don't think I even, yeah, I mean, I didn't even buy any lenses at that period. I, I'm still technically, um, I think, gas-free. Simon disputes this, but I uh, haven't bought anything since October. Although I have bought two things, and then I have unbought them. Um, <laughs> but the streak, the streak is kind of officially over because uh, the two things I, I sort of went for were 
Lamography did this Kickstarter um, where they announced a new lens. It's like a, it's called a Lamography Atoll. Uh, it's a 17 millimeter f 2.8 M mount lens that also comes in other mirrorless mounts. And when they launched their Kickstarter, uh, it looked really cool. It was like ultra wide f 2.8, nice looking lens. Um, and they had a an early bird discount of, I think, 150 US dollars off of the list price. And so they launched that, and I was like, "Oh, it's day one. I see this campaign. There's this huge discount. Let me let me put in a, a pledge for this lens because Lamography always delivers on their uh, Kickstarters, and we'll see how it goes." And then, as soon as I bought it, I was like, "What the hell do I need a, another ultra wide f 2.8 lens?" For you know, wh- when am I going to use this over the Biogon? Uh, and, I, and I decided the answer was never because it's pretty big. And then they extended the early bird discount uh, first for 48 hours, and then it seemed kind of indefinitely until they filled up all the sales. And that, that sort of pissed me off. So I was like, yo, you did this marketing trick to trick me into buying it on day one. Screw that. And I, I canceled my pledge. Um, so I, I, I no longer have purchased that lens, even though it, it does look cool. You know, um, and I haven't I haven't actually owned any of the new Lamography lenses. Uh, I only have, yeah, some some of the older ones. So you guys you guys have seen that lens, right? It was it was uh, marketed fairly heavily and featured on like a whole bunch of websites. Right. Yeah. But I yeah. Just, just just want to pick up on something that, about Kickstarter. Really, um, heading off in a tangent, but on the large format photography podcast about i don't know about a month ago we had uh matt, matt beckberger um, of Raveni labs on talking about his uh, kickstarter for his spot meter um which mm-hmm. interesting enough that that works in the same way as the the voigtlander con contour if that's how, if that's the way you say contour um viewfinder so the one that you you use one eye to look into into a blank space um to give you uh, like the frame lines while you keep your other eye open to actually see what you're doing uh if that Wait, the sense. spot meter oh, that's how the spot meter works yeah it's exactly the same principle how, how does a spot meter work the same way as a viewfinder well the viewfinder was like using frame lines yeah and uh that you obviously you couldn't see through but you you used your other eye to actually see and therefore you were using the the contour viewfinder just to give you the bright lines if you like so you put bright lines in your in your vision um and the the idea is that you actually focus on the spot a particular a, a, you know, right in the center of the uh of the spot meter and because your eye is focused in that exact position then if you use your other eye to look around and sort of move your head rather move your move your eyes it actually follows the, that that spot is exactly where you're looking. It's 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 utterly bizarre. But don't forget, you can actually see the spot with your almost as if like you can see your spot with the open eye, but you can't. But your your head superimposes it in there, and it works. I mean, I did I did an experiment by just you know looking through a almost like a pinhole uh, through a lens cap. You know, it's exactly the same principle and this tiny little hole that I could see almost nothing through, but I could see a little bit through there was, was exactly the same point where I was actually looking. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, in practice, it works. It, it starts to get a bit iffy when you get when things get a bit too close, because you get a parallax error. Um, but I think after I think about five feet away or something like that, it it it's, it sorts itself out, and chances are you're not going to be spot metering at five feet anyway. Um, but the the point I was making was I wasn't really going to be talking about the, uh, the spot meter, which I'm back by the way, um, and I'm not, not sure if the Kickstarter's finished now. Or I don't know, but it was uh, massively oversubscribed. I think 800% last time I looked at it before it, it closed. Um, but interesting enough, he did not do uh, an early an early bird uh, package. In fact, I don't think he did any packages at all. He did very few, um, and yeah, we felt well, what what's the point? And and he and he proved it, yeah. Because mm. you know there was there was no real incentive to actually buy sooner, and he was massively oversubscribed because ultimately, he did it at a good price, you know. So uh, people right. are thinking, yeah, this is a modern piece of equipment. It's not going to be for everything, everybody. There's there's uh, there are going to be plenty of people who prefer a traditional spot meter, um, but for for people like me that like to use one occasionally but don't want to carry around two meters. Um, it's it's a great little thing, so uh, so I've backed it and I'm uh, I'm happy. So well you know well well done to Matt of uh, Riveni Loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've just looked that up and it's it's um so it's not the the little tiny one no uh, that works like the sort of Voigtlander uh, shoe mounted meter right. This one looks kind of like the head of a hammer <laughs> and is a big optical piece that you stick your face into. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's 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 novel. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. So uh, right. back to Lomography and their 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 Kickstarter that uh, you unbought. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I I don't <laughs> I don't really have much else to say about it because you know nobody has the lens right because um, they haven't released it yet. I think they're supposed to start shipping. Uh, there's 12 hours to go on the Kickstarter as we record. Um, and then they're probably going to start shipping, you know, relatively soon. But the uh, 150 US dollar um, discount is still alive in the last 12 hours. It says, "Act fast! You only have 24 hours to save up to 150 USD." When in fact, there are 12 hours left in the campaign. So that is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it looks like a cool lens, though. I mean, it, it's it's relatively compact. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't tried any of these new Lomography lenses. Simon, I think you're the only one who you have a Petzval, right? I've got the, the 58, which has been replaced now. I think I think there's a new version of it as well. I, I don't know if mm. it's more Petzval than the previous one. Yeah. Um, but I love it. I, well, I'll say I love it. I haven't shot it for absolutely mm. ages. Um, but when... Actually, that was one we had a, 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 a fair talk about a few uh, last winter uh, when I ended up going out with that lens and going out with a an Industar uh, collapsible Tessar lens, uh, which I grimaced, yeah. grimaced while I was using it and smiled all the time while I was using the Petzval. And it was the Tessar that delivered all the good photographs. And not one of them really was uh, from, from the, uh, the Petzval. But I really mm-hmm. enjoyed using the Petzval, so I don't know. It takes pays him money, takes a choice, really. I suppose. Yeah, it looks like a cool lens, and I know a couple of people who have uh, who have backed it. But you know, the marketing campaign I think was actually what what 
put me off of it. It's I don't know why, but something like that really annoys me. They're like, you're going to get a discount if you buy it in the first 24 hours. And then like after the 24 hours, they go, uh, that discount still exists. That's just I found that irritating. Yeah, not clever. Yeah, apart from that, um, so so the thing that tr- actually ended my gas uh, is I ordered a uh, a lens, um, an uncoated 35 millimeter f 2.8 Carl Zeiss Jena Biogon for a contacts RF mount um, from a seller in Taiwan, and it arrived, and the rear cleaning marks that they said had no effect on the image were actually pretty severe. And if I stopped down to F8 and beyond, you could definitely see them in the image. Uh, where at F22, it just it, it looks like a picture of cleaning marks. Uh, where they're, they're so it, it wasn't even cleaning marks. You know, the rear element sticks out so much that clearly this lens had been like placed down on its rear element multiple yeah. times, yeah. or used with the lens cap that was too um, too short, uh, too too short. And so it was, it was pretty scratched up right in the middle. And so it was one of those situations where you know a couple of cleaning marks they're really not going to show up in an image, but this was so severely marred in the middle that stop down. You literally could just see all of them. Um, and that's no good. So I, so I sent it back, uh, for a refund. And then I have just ordered another one from a seller in Austria this time. So fingers crossed that this one, which is described as mint glass, uh, will, will hold up. Cause I, when, when I tested it wide open, it was, it looked pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm slightly surprised you went for that actually in the first place because I mean as as, as we know mark, well not so much marks but scratches at least on the uh, on the rear element of the lens is, is always going to be the worst place to to, to have them. Uh, yeah, so that's usually a, a a real red flag to me. I can get away with it. I don't like you don't want cleaning marks anywhere, but um, I can live with them on the front, but on the rear of the lens, I usually just keep well away. I just move on. Yeah, I mean, this is this was a seller that I, I trust a lot, and the description was um, light cleaning marks on the rear that have no impact on the image. So I figured, eh, screw it. Let's the price was right. Let's give it a shot. But um, and they're very gracious about it and accepted the return and everything. So I'm not out of pocket or anything. But I like you don't want stuff on the rear. But again, one or two light cleaning marks really doesn't bother me. Um, but this was this was pretty heavy, you know. I would also think it, it. I don't know if it if it's would make any difference or not. But in my mind, I'm thinking, well, because that rear element is so close to the film plane or sensor, yeah. Does does that make it easier to, or does that exacerbate uh, the problem, or is actually do optics just not really work that way, and it's just going to be the same whether it was uh, a centimeter away from the, uh, the 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 sensor, or whether the fact it's like you know super close to it. I don't know because. You know, when when you stop down to like f11, f16, f22, then the depth of field is great enough that you can see sensor dust, for example. So the sensor is definitely within your depth of field at that point. Yeah. And so, given that this rear element is so close to the sensor, um, it makes sense that those marks would show up as well. Hmm. But at the same time, if the le- if the rear element is further away from the sensor and further forward. It, it shouldn't matter, right? Because when you've stopped down, your your focus point is not going to be behind the lens. Mm. And so your depth of field will stretch from wherever you're focused to the sensor if, you're, if your sensor dust is showing. 
So wherever that rear element is, it should fall within that depth of field, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only way to, to, yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> Because there's no lens that focuses behind the front element as its minimum focus distance, <laughs> right? So if your sensor dust is showing up, then any marks on the real, real element should also fall into that depth of field. And so you can see if they have a notable effect on the image. That would, that would also make sense why it's probably more of a problem with a, with a wide angle lens than it will be with a telephoto lens as well. Yeah, because of that depth of field, right? I think you're going to struggle on a telephoto lens to make sensor dust show up in the same way as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Although I guess the only... Yeah, no, you don't even need to verify this. Like, just logically, that has to be the case, right? If your dust is in the... If your sensor dust is in the image, then rear marks that would show up would also be in the image. Hmm. Well, why, why do you look so sheepish? Like, mathematically, it, Johnny, I'm right, right? It has to be the case. What's that? Like, if, if, your, if your sensor dust is in the image, yeah. then any marks on the rear element that are bad enough to affect the image will also show up. Maybe. Here's why. So here's the camera, right? So it, I think it depends on the... It depends on the... I think it depends a lot more on the focal length of the lens. Yeah, 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 totally. Some other odd variables, such as. But, but, but you can. But the whole point here is like, if the damage to the rear element, if the scratches are severe enough that they would show up. Yeah. Then, if you stop your lens down to the point where your sensor dust is visible. Yeah. Then necessarily, any marks that are bad enough to show up will also show up. At that point. Uh, yeah, I get. I mean, they, I think they'd have to be really bad, though. Yeah, like they were on this biogon. Again, yes, like you have to assume that the rear element damage is bad enough that it would show yeah, up. And okay. if it if it would show up, then right. at a point where your sensor dust is visible, those marks would also be there. Yeah, more or less, right? That's that's makes sense. because here's why. Like here's camera, right? It, so so your sensor is here. Here's the film plane right? Or where your sensor is. Yeah. And so in order for the sensor dust to show up, the depth of, you have to have stopped down enough so that the depth of field includes the sensor, right? Yeah. Yes. So the focal point of the lens where you're focused is always going to be in front of the lens. Right. Right. And so the depth of field is going to stretch at least from that focal point to the sensor. And the rear element is necessarily in between that spot. The front element too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, so this, this, seems, this seems pretty simple. And so if you want to check if uh, like a scratch on the rear element is bad enough that it's going to show up in the image, then point your camera to blank wall, stop down to like F22, and if you can see your sensor dust, you should be able to see the scratch as well. If you can't see the scratch, then it's not going to affect your image at any aperture. Yeah, that's that's a it's a good it's a good rule rule of thumb, I would say, right? Yeah, we 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 both agree with you, Perry. 
Okay. <laughs> well, no, Simon, you were you were standing there with this look on your face of of, of pure skepticism. No, well, <laughs> yeah. um, it just just listening to that that whole uh, conversation we just had there. Um, I was listening to uh, I, th- I think it's probably I'm not sure it was yeah episode three of I Dream of Cameras uh, with um, Gabe Sachs and uh, Jeff Gold Greenstein, and uh, Gabe was talking about our, our show a little bit. And uh, and he, he in passing, and uh, and he was saying how um, you know he, he likes his lenses, and then uh, you listen to listen to us going on about really nerdy things. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my word, we've just taken nerdery to a whole new level. Just just there talking about sensor dust depth, depth of the field and so on. So uh, so there you go. Um, do do yeah. listen to that show by the way. Uh, when when we're when we're taking like four weeks to actually get a podcast out, um, it's well worth uh, check checking them out as well because they they cover similar kind of things to us and they uh, they do a good job of it. Mm. Yeah. So 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 final thing on that though. Um, I mean, have you ever shot with a lens that is you know somewhat poor condition or damaged and? stop down enough that you can literally see the damage i've i've seen fungus in fact not so much fungus i, I think I probably would have talked about this in a really early show um the first mere uh first mere one uh, that i had uh i was take i took a shot with it and i it was i was forcing flare into the shot mm-hmm. so it was a it was a, a close-up shot i think Actually, my, I don't know. I'm not even sure if I was even taking the shot. I think I was just pointing the uh, the the lens towards the strong light, uh, knowing that it's got a reputation for doing interesting flare, and and I could see what I thought was fungus uh, in 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 my in my image, and mm-hmm. uh, and this is with a mirrorless camera, by the way, and um, and then which I hadn't seen. So I'd looked through the lens before and I hadn't seen it. Um, and then, so I, 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 I made a real effort when I got home, um, to, 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 to spot this and I could actually see where somebody had actually cleaned the fungus out of it. And what I was actually seeing was the, was, was where the fungus had etched into the surface by eating the coatings or whatever it's, whatever mm, it's doing. Yeah. So that, that was what mm-hmm. I could actually see. And, and I don't think I was even that, that stopped down. In fact, I wasn't stopped down. It was, I think it may have been wide open, but it was just the, the, the light coming into it so strongly, um, it, it highlighted it. And that, yeah, that but, was but, internally in, in the lens. It wasn't on the rear element, by the way. It was, in, it was one of the internal elements. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because that's flare, right? So with flare and bokeh balls and stuff, you're, you're kind of seeing the, the element, yeah. light reflecting off the element itself, as opposed to the damage becoming, like, you know, part of the image because you've stopped down enough and you can sort of see it superimposed onto the photo, which is what I was seeing with this biogon. Yeah, no, I, 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 I wouldn't buy a lens like, like you did. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I mean, but if you take, like, if you take, you know... We, Simon is you who has the screwed up Jupiter three the the sandsock one. Yeah, front front element sandsocked on the front element. Yes, but but theoretically the front element should still be within that depth of field, right? Oh, we do still doing that. Okay, I don't know now. Now, now I'm questioning my own logic. <laughs> no, because if your front element no. is crazy scratched up, but that no. that doesn't really show up. No, it, no, it won't. It won't. No, because the internal focus point. Because you've got the external focus point, right? But then there's also that sort of point in the lens where the focus inflects, and it also needs to focus onto the sensor. So maybe that's the point that matters. 
don't know. I'm kind of talking on my ass now. <laughs> wait, Jason. Wait. J- yeah, Jason wait, Lane. Help. Jason Lane. Yeah, we need Jason. Yeah, <laughs> good to have a chat with him. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, there's our, our little journey into uh, rear element damage. The last thing, this has nothing to do with me. Um, it's just something that's that's happened. Let's call it, let's call it market news. The, the game stop of lenses. All right. So last year I was in the market. I, I, I've wanted um, a, this particular lens for a while now. And last year they were hovering just under a thousand US dollars. And I was like, mm, I don't really want to pay that much for this lens, even though it's a pretty sweet lens. And that's the Olympus OM 21 millimeter F2, which now is selling for like three, four thousand US dollars. Um, and I swear last year they were like a thousand bucks. And the price of this lens has gone absolutely through the roof. And I have absolutely no idea why. You know, I think I think Lawrence Dunn told us that the cinema people have discovered this lens. But um, just FYI, if you were in the market for this lens, last year it was about a grand. Now it costs more than an MP. Uh, what's up? Do either of you know what the heck is going on here? No. Complete news to me. I, yeah, I mean, I, I stopped paying attention to those when they were $500 <laughs> because right. I'd rather have the I'd rather have the 3.5 anyway because it's smaller. But I... I have no, I, I, yeah, I mean, it must've just, it must've, it must've just, uh, somebody decided it was like the cine lens everybody needs to have or something. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's ultra wide and it's, it's really, really fast for a 21 millimeter. It's a great lens, but you know, sometimes certain lenses that are scarce, you might have a few people listing them on eBay for stupid prices that no one is going to buy. But then when you look at the sold prices, people are actually paying like, Four thousand US dollars for these things, and that's, crazy. that's one of the fastest, you know, inflationary rises I've seen in a lens uh, in a long time, because the price of everything has crept up, and sometimes they they jump up a bit when they become more popular, or you know, people mention that. But good lord, this thing is this thing is nuts. Like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a quick search right now. Olympus twenty one millimeter f. Two, the cheapest one on eBay that I see is three thousand euros, or just just around three thousand euros. Uh, and then in the sold category, we have yeah, they're sell, they're selling for around that, actually selling for around that price. So hmm. crazy. I just wonder, are people pumping the price on this and trying to like offload their stock, or or is this a legit thing? Because can a lens jump from a thousand dollars to three, four thousand dollars in a few months, especially in a pandemic? Like, what the hell? I mean, My point is, I want this lens, and if you want to sell it to me for a thousand dollars, get in touch. There, there's, there's one that uh, just got listed. That's uh, it's, it's, it's a zero dollar bid start. Get your bids in, Perry. It's two dollars and thirty four cents is where the bidding's at right now. Okay. Actually, let me, hold on. I'm gonna go bet. I'm gonna go bet two grand on it. I'm gonna go bid two grand on it. Let's watch it. Let's watch it go up. I'm gonna do it right now. Hold on. Oh, it is okay. It did just pop, just pop up. Okay, I'm gonna watch this one because the last one I watched that was on auction from zero. I think it sold for like just over three thousand US dollars or just under three thousand US dollars. Um, oh shoot! 
This I can't log into anything anymore on this computer. I'm never on it. Let me do it on this one. Yeah. Well, is it? I was going to say, is it? Is a little side note uh, because I'm just seeing what else comes up on eBay, and I spotted that there's a, a silver nose uh, Olympus 50 mil 1.4, um, and which is mm. you know a pretty interesting lens. But I was at, and it was on it. I think well, it's on it 89 pounds plus postage, which I'm thinking that's that's not a bad price for that lens. But I'm thinking I have never seen a silver nose. Olympus 1.4, 51.4 without fungus. And I thought, well, let's just have a look at the description. And uh, what does it say? Uh, da, 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 da. There is some internal fungus visible only under certain angle, uh, under certain light angles. Well, there you go. That's uh, so like when you make it flare. Yeah. Yeah. Exa exactly. So, um, so yeah, my 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 view that all silver nose. 50mm 1.4 Olympus OM lenses uh, have fungus is so far still intact. Ooh. All right. Well, now it's $213. I just <clears> bumped a bit up on it. No, but Johnny, this this one is one of those eBay scammy ones because in the description, it's like, get in touch with me directly. Uh, and uh, it's like info at pawnshop.pro. Oh, that's fine. Right? I just want to, I just want to drive the price up on it. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those with it. They're not actually trying to, um, <laughs> They're not actually trying to sell it to see on how eBay. The price goes. Yeah. yeah. There's the question so anyway, there is even if do they even have the lens at all, isn't it? Yeah, the answer is probably not. Mm. But oh, if um, if any of you have that lens, then consider yourself lucky. Uh, if you don't want it, then you know you know where to contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it on uh, my end. Um, and since people in Hong Kong are fleeing en masse to the UK, I think the natural <laughs> segue here is to go from Hong Kong to the UK. What's up there, Simon, with your with your long Goldilocks flowing locks? Yes, well, as as you, as you know, uh, the UK is. Uh, um the welcoming arms to all people of other nations as as we've uh, made it very very clear over the of these last years um um so uh, we have a an interesting lens um that i've picked up quite some time ago now it seems but uh, not many podcasts ago um and i've, I've put this out onto uh, onto instagram and in a couple of places um and it's a Minolta lens because I, I saw for sale locally uh, a Minolta, I think it's a SRT 303. I think that's what it is. Uh, and it had a 50mm 1.4 on it. Um, there's a, a 135 2.8. And uh, and I could see there was another lens. And I looked at the price and it was about, about £200, something like that. And uh, so I was thinking, yeah, that's, that's that's not bad. But I mean, there's a bit of a drive to go and get it, and uh, and 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 I was thinking mm, maybe. And and then I looked at it, and the I looked at what the small lens was, and was it wasn't well described at all. And um, and, it, and I could sit, I could work out that it was a twenty-four millimeter two point eight, which immediately pricked my ears up because. Um, you know, okay, I, I, I don't have much of a love affair with uh, Minolta lenses, as uh, um, long-term viewers may, may be aware. Um, but the 24 2.8 has always been on the on my list of, of good lenses, not just for a Minolta, but it's a great lens, full stop. 
um, and it's uh, it's also the lens that's the um, I don't know what Leica call it, but it's it's the same optical um, block or whatever. Um, it's the uh, Leica. What, what's the designation? What do Leica call it? The wait, the Leica R lens. Yeah. So if it's f two point eight, they would call it like the Elmerit. That's I it. Think. Yeah, Elmerit. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a Minolta, and um, so yeah. So that's a, that's a good lens, but. So that in itself, I was there thinking, oh, this 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 could be worth it for me to to, to head over there. And although when I looked on eBay, just seeing how much the, these twenty four two point eight are going, they, they seem to have softened in price uh, since the last time I looked. I haven't actually had one for ages, um, and uh, they were knocking out around about one hundred and eighty pounds when I last bought one of these things or sold one, I should say. And now you can get them in the low hundreds relatively easily, it seems. And uh, which came as a bit of a surprise to me, uh, but that was what it was. But more to the point, though, I looked at the photograph and I could see there's something different about this lens. And uh, the first thing that, that gave it away was, I mean, and this is always the thing about when you're looking at lenses on eBay or where, wherever it is, there's a lens for sale. Is you know just just look at the what it what it says the lens actually is, um, because lots of lenses have got uh, other pieces of information on the on the lens ring on the front on the nameplate, and you know sometimes it, it it'll tell you that uh, like if it's a a Rockall lens if it's a PF or a PG, uh, that's telling you how many elements. Uh, the lens has got and the PG has got uh, seven elements I think it is and then the uh, the PF is six I think that's how it mm -hmm. is because it works A is for one and which there isn't one and uh, B two and C three and, and and so on and you get and you work your way through the alphabet and the same goes with uh, with a lot of Olympus lenses use exactly the same kind of principle um, so this this one so it's a uh, it's an MC rock hall but there's some letters in there as well and the letters are V FC. I was thinking, I've not heard of a VFC. What, 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 what's that? It must mean something, you know. And uh, so you, you head over to Google and, and to eBay and you find out and you think, oh, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting lens and it's worth a few pounds. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I got in touch and uh, got over there as quickly as, as humanly possible um, because this, this lens is really interesting. And and I need the uh, I need help on actually what to do with this 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 thing um, because this VFC stands for oh I've forgot very freaking cool that could be one of the ways it's uh, described as but it's uh, it I reckon the the V stands for variable um, F I think that's probably focus and let's go with C with control let's call it variable focus control because that sounds sounds like it could be that anyway. Um, and the, the, it's got an extra dial on it um, in the same place as like a, a, an Olympus lens would have a, have the aperture ring at the at the front of the lens. Uh, wait, 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 Simon. It's, it's, it's variable field curvature. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's it. That's are good you, news. Wait, which lens are you talking about? I wasn't paying attention. This is, <laughs> is this the 24 millimeter? Yeah. Yeah, but, 24 millimeter. But the VFC. Oh, yeah, okay. The VFC. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So, uh, so, and well, you're giving away what he does now. Um, but uh, so you've got this ex extra extra ring on there. So there's uh, your normal aperture ring. You've got your focus ring, but it's got another ring at the front. Uh, it's a very small one, and there are two little symbols on there. And so, and, and again, if you ever see something that's poorly advertised and you wonder what it is, well, if if you if you're as nerdy as we are and you keep on staring at lenses for long enough, you you spot these little differences. 
and sometimes it's nothing it really just does not matter um, but in other occasions it really does and this is one of those occasions because it's got like a um, almost like a uh, an unhappy smile and a and a happy smile um, either <coughs> side of a either side of a dot um, and uh, and I, I don't know if that's it's, it's a case of well it's a Minolta lens and you start off happy but the results he gives you makes you unhappy um, I, but I don't think that is actually the case in this for the, for this lens um, yeah and uh, and what it does it's it's indicating the shape of the of the um well it's talking about field curvature so it's the shape of the plane yeah. the plane of focus isn't it the shape of the plane mm -hmm. of focus so mm -hmm. in its central position it's telling us that the the plane of focus is completely flat um mm -hmm. which is you know totally conventional but if you if you make it to if you turn this to the left if you're looking down on top of the camera um that sort of it's like a dome shape and what that's actually telling us is that it's bending the 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 field, uh, the plane or the field. It's giving you field curvature, um, and it's. I've, and I've tried to actually make this do this, but it seems to work the opposite way to what I'm expecting it to do. But the, I think the idea behind it is that if you if you've got something in focus in the centre, then if something is actually a little bit so something is to one side of it or both sides of it of the of your subject matter and they're also closer to you and you're shooting at say 2.8 then you mm -hmm. can still have all three subjects in focus right yeah except i'm not sure if this actually works the other way around but yeah because i'm still still confused but it, it bends that plane um and you can and you can adjust it so it goes the opposite way as well. So one one of the, the I, mean, I was thinking, how on earth am I actually going to use this? When's it going to be useful? And, and and I was thinking, well, actually, if I'm taking a picture of a dome of a church, and mm. I want all of that in focus, but I'm in low light conditions, and I and yeah. I, I can't hand hold 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 my camera um, at f eight or or whatever it is. Then I can still shoot at, at two point eight and bend the the field of focus, the plane of focus, so that the top of the dome is in focus, and as the as the dome comes towards me down the sides, that's also in focus as well, and I'm pulling that off at a wider aperture. Um, but right. other than that, I'm struggling to work out what on earth is it for. So, so that's interesting, right? Because the the focus point in the center is never going to move. Yeah, that's right. And so if you are shooting like a conventional image where everything you want in focus is on the same plane, then adjusting that setting is just going to smear your edges. Yes. Right, which, you know, might be a cool effect for some images. But any time where, so for example, if it's some kind of landscape where your foreground elements are on the sides, like two rocks on the edge or something. Yes. And that might help put them within the depth of field. Or if you're shooting like... um I don't know, a, a, a group of people, right. Who are in, in like a curve, then, yes. then you could, you could get people at the edges who are closer to you more in focus. Yeah. Um, how close does it focus? Uh, pretty close. Uh, let's have a look. I'm sure it's got a good, it's, uh, it's got it down as, uh, just under 30 centimeters. Oh, cause I wonder what that would look like. Um, if you're shooting something really up close, like even, even a, a, a portrait or something, where if you have issues with 
you know, getting ears and focus as well as the, the eyes. Right. I, I'm just curious what that would look like if you if yeah. you did a really s- serious close up of someone's face and then bent the field curvature so that it almost looks like their whole face is in 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 focus and then the background is like blurred out. That could be interesting. Yeah. It's not going to be flattering, but it'll be interesting. Definitely. No, no, not to flatter, just purely for effect, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a that's a weird feature because it's it's almost like it's almost like t- it's almost like tilt, but not. Hmm. You know, like a similar uh, you know application where you want your depth of field to your or your plane of focus to shift and move. Huh. I, I, I don't think it's about the plane of focus i think it's it's just um it's compensating based on aperture to keep the edges sharper you know what i mean it's 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 adjusting for the curvature at the selected aperture i think is what it's doing so that so so it's so you're getting like edge to edge sharpness which you're not you wouldn't get at every aperture uh-huh so it's it's compensating so that at each aperture you can get the same sharpness, I think is what it's doing. Huh. Then you would have to you would have to make a lot of adjustments constantly and sort of know what the where no, the I, I I think I think it's just you set the I think you just probably set that ring based on what aperture you're at. I'm guess, I'm guessing. I gotta look at the I look at the see if I can find a picture of the of the ring. Hmm. I, I think it's just, I think it's just a, co- a compensating for field curvature. Yeah, but it's introduced. Well, yeah, but the, in theory though, when it's in its center position, it has no field curvature. So why, why would you need to compensate for something that should be flat in the first place? Cause it's going to be different at each aperture. You know what I mean? Let's see. No. I mean, I can I can envision scenarios where you'd want to use that. It, most of them are in close-up situations, where like you know, if you're shooting flowers, for example, right? You often have this issue where if you're close up, the flower that you're focused on is in focus, and all the other flowers are blurred out. Mm-hmm. So you might want to bend the field curvature so that flowers towards the edges that are further away are in focus like that makes sense well think about it from the perspective of of minolta you know they they put this onto the market and it is a you know a high priced object you know it was, i don't know how much this would have cost but i mean it, i mean they're expensive now and i assume they've always been expensive so uh-huh. you would think that they were they would have put it on the market for a very specific reason for you know specific uses and right. I'm not sure about taking pictures of flowers. Um, but so, so what? The, the reason I think what Johnny says makes sense, though, is on the lens, which you got in front of you, right, Simon? Yeah. So where there's the like, as you say, the the sad face and the smiley face uh, symbols. Yeah. There are also depth of field markers that are color coded, and they correspond to the depth of field scale, right? Uh. Hmm. Actually, like next yeah, to the no, no, next to the right, faces. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, the, it, it it does. Because I actually noticed that the the symbols go down to the go down to the um, the depth of field scale as well. 
Yeah, so the blue symbols correspond with F8 on the depth of field scale, and then the yellow one corresponds with F16 on the depth of field scale. Yeah, it's so, yeah, so I'm reading. So basically, what it's compensating for is the how what your focus distance is because you're going to have it's it's correct, it's correcting the amount of field curvature that you would have if you took a picture of something, say, close up. Right, it's it's correcting for the field curvature at those distances to make the image sharper across the plane of focus. Right, which you, which right. it's not going to be the same at all focus distances. So it's 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 correcting for the you know you you can correct based on the distance you're going to focus at to so- eliminate that field curvature. When would you like so because you can set it to bend towards you or bend away from you? If you're at F8, for example, right? And then there's two F8 markers, one bending towards you, like one on the left of the scale and one on the right of the scale. How how would you decide which one to use? I don't know without seeing the lens. I have no I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even know what the controls are. I just I'm just reading that that's and it makes sense is that it's it's just it's just for it's just for correcting for field curvature for close near focus items right right, right. which because the lens i mean it can't it can't it's not going to be perfect at every distance at every aperture so you so it so it's a way to correct at different distances wait so i i just sent a picture of the lens that i i found online into our chat um so you can see where the markings are but like Okay, so you've got the, the the two depth of fields. Simon's got it in front of him, so it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But so there's some relationship then between the F8 depth of field markings and the blue markings on the variable field curvature scale. Yeah. But then there's two markings. And so my question is, when would you decide to bend it towards you at F8 versus bending it away from you at F8? Because surely... It depends on how much of a retard you want to be. I mean, you, 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 if you want to correct it, you'd probably turn it in the direction of making things better. Or if you want to be a super retard, you would make it things much worse. No, but, 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 but at the same time, if you look at the, so Simon, you're the only one who can verify this. Uh, in front of me. So, so if you look at the depth of field scale, right on the edges of the depth of field scale, you have the smiley face and sad face again. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that seems to indicate that on the, close focus side of depth of field you you want to bend it towards you and then on the far side of depth of field you want to bend it away and that makes no sense to me (laughs) because surely the field curvature direction is constant right Mm. no the field curve well but the uh, the 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 visual appearance is going to be different depending on aperture and distance. That's, that's right. The whole, yeah. But but then again, the question is like so. So Johnny, you have the picture now, right? Yeah. You, so you see the kind of sad face and and smiley face are they appear twice? One on the adjustment ring and one on the aperture ring. Uh, one on the depth of field scale. Sorry. So so let's say I'm at f eight, right? And and something to do with close distance is pushing me towards sad face and something to do with far distance is pushing you towards happy face, like curving the field curvature away from you. 
but when when do you go left and when do you go right? <laughs> I I think again without having the I can only see the closed down markings. I can only see a hint of the markings. I I think if you adjust if you turn this lens if if we were to see what this lens looked like focused at its minimum focus distance we would see all of the markings and it would probably make a lot more sense because i think you, you what you would probably do is turn the adjustment ring to match the marks on the lens barrel to correct the for the to correct for the field curvature yes but again okay so so <laughs> But, but but again, like okay, so if you if you look at this picture of the lens, right, yeah. where it's set right now, it, it, it's approximately at 0.45 meters focus distance, and so at f8, the depth of field is from 0.4 on the left hand side of the scale to like 0.5 on the right hand side of the depth of field scale, yeah, and on the 0.4 side, on the far end of the depth of field scale, you have sad face. And on the 0.5 side, on the far right end of the depth of field scale, you have happy face. And, and so the ring, you could go to the blue F8 mark on either side. And I, I, I just can't wrap my head around, like, if you're compensating for something, when do you know to go to the sad face F8 and when do you go to the smiley face F8? I realize that for our listeners, because they can't see this on the lens, we'll have to put a picture of this in our... Um, art mean, or something because like otherwise it's going to make no if sense. If we had a picture of the lens that wasn't focused at infinity, we could actually see all the markings and it would make a lot more sense. But I, I it's it, it, it are you, looking, all, at the, I are you all, looking at the same photograph, Johnny? Was yeah, that, it's not infinity, it's it's at close focus. I hold on, no, in our chat, in uh, our chat, yeah, but it looks, but it looks, it looks, it looks the same. So something is, something is, uh, let's see. Right side of the scale, left side of the scale. Perhaps I don't know what it is. It's just it's going to be. It it's uh, it's a it. When you want to adjust your field curvature, if you do if you're at f eight, you uh. you turn it to the blue mark with, and you choose which direction you wish it to go. Yeah, and it's the and same all, as a Nikon lens. It's just, it's it's the same marking. It's the same marking. Well, Nikon uh, do a scheme is the Nikon lenses that have the the, the circus colors on them. They even yeah. use the same circus colors. Yeah, but the point the point the point being is at at a smaller aperture, you've got to adjust the field curvature more. That's right. what that's mm. that's what that's saying to me, and it's not it's right. and right and you, and you turn it into the direction that you wish it that to work want. for for the circumstances of the photograph that you're taking. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still don't really understand why, why I would do one or the other, but that's, that's a whole different matter. So the answer is you decide. No, 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 that makes sense, right? So, so if, you're, if you're taking a picture of like a bunch of people seated at a table and it's like a, a round table, right? Mm. Then if you're at F8, you're going to want to I, I get bend that. it towards just, you and then so you go to the left one. I just struggle to understand what that, that just... There's, there's got to be a really good. Well, I like to think there's a really good reason why they they did that because why Minolta did this because as far as I'm aware, nobody else has ever done this. Yeah, to 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 eliminate field curvature so there's no distortion in the image. 
I mean, that's it's pretty straightforward. No, that's not pretty straightforward. <laughs> right. Well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think we're going to get any further with this with with this one. So um, please uh, please write in <laughs> or uh, talk to us in the in the in the, fa in the Facebook group. So, uh, um, but yeah, that's 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 my take on it. So, um, um, and seeing that uh, Perry's sort of nodding his head at me, um, I'm feeling a whole lot more comfortable about that. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that's 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 my lens. Um, so what's what's been happening in Chicago? Um, uh, I'm trying to think since we had the last podcast because I have a couple of new things, but I don't know if I've if I've gotten them since the last podcast or or not. I don't remember. So let, let, let's assume yes, and we'll tell you if the answer is no. Because uh, I I did get the. Um, I did get the Lomography version of the uh, MR2. So oh, you mentioned that that you got that, um, but I don't think you used it with, by with the last time you mentioned it. Okay. This is the twenty millimeter f five point six thing. Yeah, because I did I did get that. I I got it and I used it and it works, but it's silver, which sucks because you can't see any of the lens markings, which is what sucks about chrome finished lenses. Why did you buy the new one other than build quality? Because I like the old one so much, I figured I would get the new one. Also, but, but, but wouldn't the old, wouldn't the old one be better? <laughs> no, they're 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 really different. Actually, the, the they they render. I mean the the old one the old one flares a lot more because you know mm. it's older and it has the coatings aren't as good, which to my eyes is actually preferable. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, but I'm using it on film. It would suck though, because it would just flare everything out. But for digital, it's awesome. So, I've got the old one that I can use for digital, and the new one to actually use for real cameras. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I was thinking. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Except now I need to get the new one repainted black because it's useless. Because <laughs> it has silver markings and you can't see them. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean you can't see them? So it's it's chrome, but the the markings on the lens are also silver. And no, it's it's chrome, and it's the markings are small, and you can't I can't see them anymore without putting reading glasses on. Oh, it's I see. Old. Yeah. So, which is what I hate about the old Nikon rangefinder lenses. They're all super high, super beautiful chrome, and you can't actually use the depth of field markings because you can't see them. I can't see them, which is why the black versions are so much, I think more in demand because they, you know, they make black ring with black rings with, you know, markings you can actually see is a much, is a, is a much more preferred setup in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's nice. You just can't see the markings like the depth of field markings and stuff. Especially if it's like a little bit dim or dark, so so that's my that's my only complaint. So yeah. usability wise, it's not quite as friendly as the <laughs> old one. So I mean, it's not like you have, you have to focus it very much. There's like three points on the scale. I either focus it to four meters or 
two meters or a meter and a half, depending on what I'm shooting at what aperture. <laughs> but it, it would be nice to be able to see those markings. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to take my little uh, label maker and make my own little markings to go in the barrel. Yeah, that, that, lens, that lens is super cool. But it, it still, I think, to me, is the champion of most unnecessarily long focus throw. For sure. Yes. Right. Because it's a 20 millimeter f5.6. Like, you can literally set it to anywhere on the focus scale and you're kind of okay. Right? And yet it has this absurdly long focus throw that goes from infinity yeah. to, what, 0.3 meters? And I just, I don't, they could have made that focus throw literally two centimeters and it would make no difference to the use they, of the lens. They could, because it's it's really funny because it's, um, I think, you know what, I think it has to do with the fact that it, because of the way the optical design works, if you focus that lens at infinity, infinity is not in focus. Have you noticed this? Have you have you, have you you messed around with this, Perry? I have I've not. If, that if, you're, if you if you are a aforementioned intellectually challenged person and just shoot everything at infinity, everything's going to be out of focus. Because a, that's not how you shoot a wide angle lens, and b, however this lens is designed, it focuses well past infinity at infinity. So, really? Yes. Yeah. You. I mean, if you, you, you if you if you do it on, you know, put it on your digital and. You'll see it. You'll see what I'm talking about. Because both of mine are exactly the same. The new one and the old one both do the same thing. So at in at infinity, it's well out of focus because it just is. <laughs> so I think that I think the reason for the super long throw is because of the optical design. Like I I think about wide angle lenses as having like your your zone of focus is like a bubble. Like I think about a literal bubble shape of focus. Like uh -huh. I think about this with the with the Voigtlander, the fifteen millimeter. It's like it's like the the focus is a bubble out that extends out from the lens, right? And if you depending on where you focus that lens, is how much of that bubble is going to be sharply in focus on the film plane. So, which is why you don't really want to shoot the fifteen millimeter at and walk around with it set to infinity because you're shifting that bubble of focus like all the way forward yeah I I, I I see what you're saying sort of yeah so uh, but you could i think because of the design because the 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 Rus the rusar is has that really super odd design to it it's like topogon based, right? Yeah, exactly. So it has that really extreme lens design. I think that the um, that kind of bubble of focus is adjusting. That is probably why it has that super super long throw. Is my guess because it it really it actually really does kind of make a difference. Like if I if I try to shoot things that are you know nine feet away, it makes a big difference if I have that lens set at one point five meters or at three meters you know what i mean I, I really see the difference you would think that you could set it at three meters and just forget about it but it not so much with that lens it's it's really what? odd okay wait you, you guys keep talking about this i'm gonna go grab mine i don't believe okay you. <laughs> wait we simon's not talking about it at all he's like whatever <laughs> you're talking about bubbles I'm, what's I'm, with the bubbles <laughs> uh, yeah well <laughs> where, where do we start but i mean the the, the first point on that saying that it doesn't focus to infinity it focus past infinity because 
of some optical quality of the lens. I think the focus throw has to, I think because of the way the optics, because of the, ex, like the extreme curvature of the optics in that design, I think it needs to have the ability for the focus to extend well beyond so what, well beyond what, infinity to, okay, to correctly well, focus at infinity, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Not to me, at least anyway, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that if it if it doesn't focus at infinity, you know, if it was doing it, well, no, I, I I'm struggling to think of any good reason why it, it, it would do that. <laughs> well, it, but it goes to eleven, Simon. Well, yeah, no, that that that's that is a good reason. Um, <laughs> It is, it, is, it is the spinal tap lens. Uh, I, I know what you're saying. I think you're saying, well, if why don't then you just make the focus scale, say, infinity at infinity? Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be good. Right? I mean, yeah. is that basically what you're... Yeah, unless it's... I mean, the only reason I, I know about it, sometimes lenses do strange things around infinity. It's like infrared. Um, yeah. But nobody's doing infrared with that lens, are they? I don't know, but that would be super crazy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't even have an infrared marker. Well, it doesn't, right. it, yeah, but it does. Ah, there you go. That that that's proof. That's what it is, because it's such <laughs> an infrared lens. It yeah. You know, everybody knows that, and you it's don't so need to correct infrared. it because all you do is just whack it to infinity, and everything's in infrared focus. Yeah, there, there. Okay, there, let me let me check. So I got it mounted now on greatest camera of all time, the Sony. <laughs> No, at infinity, mine focuses at infinity. Well, there's something wrong with your camera. Yeah. Oh, shit. No, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom. Oh, Dude. you're right. Yeah, magnify, turn it to infinity, and then bring it back from infinity towards, yeah. you know, say, three meters. It's going to be sharper as you bring it back off of infinity. Oh, holy crap, you're right. So at infinity, it's sharpest when the distance scale is at, like, six meters. Right. Right, right. What? Exactly. Okay, so there's this thing that's like one and a half meters away. I'm going to focus on that. What distance? Wait, it's all in focus because it's f5.6, 20 millimeters. I can't tell. <laughs> what? There's huh? got to be a reason. We really need Jason Lane to be talking to us about we've, this. We've do, we've done an absolutely great be, job to be, express just how little we we know about lenses. About lenses, yeah. yeah. Because because this lens design, it's got to be something with the absolute insanity of this lens design, which which as we found out talking to Vlad, it's originally an aerial reconnaissance lens design that's adapted down to you know small format camera but that's what the uh, that's what the lens with lenses with this design were originally intended to do mm. and i think it has to do with that getting that sharpest plane of focus at you, you know, should, certain you, distances yeah it, it has sure to we, have that super long throw i'm sure it's just not the, the 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 soviets doing their trick of putting numbers on things that you think are going to indicate something <laughs> and they mean something completely different and they're just having a bit of a laugh with us. Th that, that's entirely possible also. But, so to my point, this is why it's helpful with that lens to be able to actually see the lens markings because it does make a difference. <laughs> yeah, but, but, they, but they don't, but they lie. 
Or, or do, <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, are they, is it, is it, I mean, Perry, you've got it there and you can magnify it. Is it, yeah. is it, can you put it, put it on something that's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a measured distance away and see if it actually, you know, which is obviously not going to be at infinity, um, something that's a little bit closer and see if it's actually giving you an accurate measurement. Yeah, so I mean, it's hard to tell because the depth of field is so so high. Yeah. But okay, so I've got it set to f five point six right now, mm-hmm. and I have it magnified right on the edge of the frame. So thinking, like the corn, the corner is where it's the worst. So I'm just thinking no, that, hold on, that, hold on. that depth of field is probably so deep; it's probably focusing on your glasses at the moment, isn't it? Which is going to mm. cause problems with it if there's any scratches on it. No, but hold on. <laughs> when I set it to f five point six on the the, when I set infinity to f5.6 on the depth of field scale, yeah. which is a focus point of about 1.8 meters, the very edge, infinity is in fact sh- sharpest roughly at that point. So I can see the effect that Johnny's talking about a lot more on the edge than I can in the center. But as a result, in the center, yes, um, it is. it focuses slightly past infinity. So the depth of field markings seem to give you the best results on the edge. Yeah, and I, and that's why I think it's mar- that's why I think the focus throw is so long. I think it I think it's a function of that lens design itself, so that depending on you know again the whole idea of what distance you're focused at, because it does have presets for certain distances, right? Yours is the same. I think they're they're Does both it? set up that way, both the the new version and the old version. I could go get mine and confirm this really. No, I don't see any presets. I don't know what that looks like. All right, hold on, hold on a second. I'm gonna go grab her. Look, I what? But the depth of field is so deep that I really can't tell. I'm focusing on something that's about a meter and a half away, because um, this is my normal testing spot. Okay, that seems. I can't tell when it's sharp. <laughs> it's not sharp. <laughs> it's all okay. That's no good. Okay, that's that's better. Okay. I don't think it matters. Like it's 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 a twenty millimeter f five point six. No matter what I distance I focus on, yeah. everything is acceptable. All right, I have the. The new, the new silver version, the old black version, and a magnifying glass with me, so I can see all of the markings. Wait, this is stupid. It doesn't matter. Everything is the depth of field is so, so big that it doesn't matter where I focus. Everything is acceptable. <laughs> okay, so the new Rusar. Okay. The new Rusar has a marking. It has a red tick mark at 2.5. And it has a red tick mark at infinity. And it has a red tick mark at 0.65. I don't have those markings on mine. Yeah, so the, the new one has, has those markings. I just want to see the old one has... Yeah, the old one has no such markings on it. So it's the new one that has that has the, the tick marks. Um, 
which would totally make sense uh, um, other than the fact that at infinity, it's not in focus at infinity. So, but, but it's close enough, right? I, I don't, I don't get how you're yeah, seeing the it's, difference. It's, it's, I mean, I, I'm like, I'm, you know, splitting hairs on it, but it's, it's definitely at infinity. Yes. Okay. It's very minor though. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm pixel peeping on a, a7R2 and and the difference is minuscule it's it's minuscule which because they're they're, i think they're just assuming that if you're you know if you're stopped down you're never going to see it that the the field wise but i mean if i I turn it at 5.6 it's i mean it's enough that it would be you know not as sharp a little bit i I refuse to believe that the soviets are this precise (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> anyway, aren't you glad you brought this up, Perry? And then Simon doubled down on it with his variable, you know, his variable thing. Field curvature, yeah. Yeah, variable field curvature. And now I'm looking at my lens. So, okay, I'm. this effect is much stronger on the old, my old Rusar. My, you know, the older version. It's definitely more out of focus at infinity than the new one. The new one's pretty darn close. The old one is out a decent amount. I don't I don't I don't get how you're seeing this difference. I really don't. It's so minor. Yeah, but it's there. It's it's observable, right? I mean you're seeing it. It's observable at 12.5 mag- magnification <laughs> on the Sony and only observable if I'm like really looking for it. Wait, what what you use this on, Johnny? On your Fuji? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I don't get how you're seeing the difference. Like, are you secretly a hardcore pixel peeper? No, like, but I, I mean, what else are you going to do if it's on the digital? I mean, it, the stupid camera magnifies. <laughs> isn't that why I'm, isn't that what the feature's for? <laughs> Why would they give me that feature on the Fuji if they didn't want me to do it? So, so, but, but on the flip side, I have this thing that's about a meter and a half away from me. Right. And I just set my camera to infinity. I just set the lens to infinity, and then I just yeah. set the lens to 1.3 meters, and they look the same. <laughs> yeah, because it's close. This is only when you're using it for aerial reconnaissance, as intended by the Soviet designers. That's my guess. Okay. So when you, if you're in an airplane, then, is infinity further away? <laughs> If you're in an airplane, yeah. Yeah, is that how it works? You know, I think we've answered it. I have to say, interesting, that's an interesting thing you bring up, Simon, because the last time I was in an airplane, I took a bunch of photos with the Fuji X100, and I noticed that when I was at infinity, things were noticeably not as sharp, but when I manually focused back off infinity, they were much sharper. And I think it had to do with the the windows on the... um, you know, like the distortion from the windows itself on the air on the airplane. But but digital camera lenses are they always go past infinity. No, the the Fuji one doesn't though. It's got a it's got a hard stop. The X one hundred. Yeah. Doesn't the focus ring like turn I, freely? I no, it goes it, it goes past infinity because autofocus lenses it, autofocus lenses necessarily go past infinity because they need to like hunt. So I think it was when I was auto focusing. It was the auto focus was noticeably not in focus. But then if I manually focused it back off, it was much sharper. 
and I, and I think it must have had to do something with the distortion through the window itself is all I could figure. Well, you, you get the other thing though, isn't it? With, uh, with like astrophotography and I'm not talking infrared now, but if you actually try and focus, I mean, you think about like the moon, for instance, you're taking a picture of the moon and you've got to focus on the moon. You can't just stick it to infinity. Mm-hmm. So is this a similar kind of thing? I wonder if it's got something to do with that. I don't know. No, I, I, th- I think it's just modern lenses focus past infinity, especially if they're autofocus. Yeah, no, but, they have talk- to- yeah, but you've been talking about old lenses here. I'm not talking about the X100 now. I'm talking about this, this MR2 thing, which, I, which <laughs> I think about as a car, by the way. But uh, <laughs> are, are you are you not supposed to just stick it at infinity when you're doing astro? <laughs> no, 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 you're no, not. Actually. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah I guess you you magnify and look, huh? Weird. Mm. So I just got to look something up real quick because we had that long uh, that long chat about gladiators. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that long meme chat. And hold on a second. I just need to respond to something in that chat here. I said to find. Oh, here we go. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to just find it real quick because I want to make sure I direct this to the correct person who made the comment. This is in the our our Facebook group we're, we're talking about. This is in our right? Facebook group. Yeah. Yes. So uh, where is it? Oh, it's Pierre. Pierre, Pierre Ali, uh, can you can you help with the pronunciation, Perry? It's Pierre Alex Favillier. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Pierre Ali sounds like some Aladdin, French Aladdin <laughs> <Pierre Ali>. adaptation. <laughs> All right. Well, Pierre Ali said. Uh, <laughs> He was saying hopefully there'd be a new episode of the podcast this week and I told him it wouldn't be nearly as good as the comment thread and I stand by my my promise. <laughs> Pierre, Pierre Lee, I stand by my, pray, my promise. <laughs> that was an epic comment thread. I was trying to figure out how many different um, movies or cultural touch points there were in that one conversation and i i found there's gladiator there's borat there's um asterix asterix yeah that's, that's down there okay um there's arrested development there's american gladiator um there is what else did I find in here? Oh, there's a life of Brian was in there. Uh, there is um, Caligula is in there. I said the big Lebowski, right? Life of Brian. What else? We got everything in that thread. It was great. I'm digging it up now too. Um, on, 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 on a note unrelated to oh, Spartacus um, too. and Spartacus. On a note unrelated to uh, the the thread here, you were you were mentioning. I don't know if you want to talk about this on the show, but you were mentioning before we started recording that you're playing with a Horizon. Oh yeah, Robbie gave me a Horizon. Are, are you going? Panos are back. Was that? Panos are back this year. Panos, it's always Pano season 
Perry. It's always pano season. Well, I, I, um, I was going to say on that front, there's a, uh, Ben Reynolds in the in the group has uh, described it as the the decade of panoramas. So yeah, yeah we, we're still on target. Of, yeah, it's like the generation. It's like Generation P. Yeah, it's just it's like a generational thing. But the thing that I noticed immediately, and Robbie Robbie said, "Oh yeah, yeah, the it's uh, I it's got the viewfinder, but I never use it." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it makes sense. I don't use the there's no viewfinder on the on the Tokarev either, and you don't need one. But on the horizon, I'm noticing the viewfinder. If the if the bubble level had a bubble in it, you can see <laughs> the bubble level in the viewfinder. So like yeah. to yeah. me, like like who cares about the viewfinder being accurate for framing but the super cool thing would be you could see if you're level or not yeah in the viewfinder that's really cool so this doesn't have a bubble though so either you need to find with a bubble or just stick a bubble level on the top of the camera which is probably a much better solution it's it's also hugely frustrating when you do have the bubble and it works and you you get your shot framed up exactly as you want and you can see that the bubble level is not where it needs to be and there's and you'll get to the point where it's just simply not possible to take the photograph that you want framed in the the way you want it and have the bubble in the right place no i just i don't the only thing i care about is like it's the same with the and i have a level rigged up on the tokarev um, I'm just looking for the, I just don't want the horizon to be tilted. I don't even care about the framing. I just don't want mm-hmm. the framing that I don't, I don't want to be a tilted horizon loser. That's the only thing I care about. <laughs> That's my only concern with that camera. I don't care what I take pictures of. I don't care if they're good. I just don't want to want them to have crooked horizons. So I feel like an idiot. But that means so, you got, half the time that means you actually can't compose the photograph correctly. Well, there is no correctly composing that photograph. It doesn't have it doesn't have a viewfinder, oh, and it, the and the and the and the 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 view that you get is not it's it's superhuman. It's not a human angle of view. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So, like to me, it's like it, it's it's not even it's like in a realm. It's in a different realm altogether. It's not even really like I don't know a photograph. Wait, wait, but so I don't really care. I don't I don't care as long as it doesn't look crooked. So, so like I remember Simon when 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 I got my Horizon, we had this conversation about chasing the bubble, um, and I, I think I think he's right in the sense that you know, do you trust your eyes or do you trust the bubble? Because when the bubble tells you you're straight, trust the bubble only the bubble matters. You are a slave <laughs> to the bubble. Worship the worship the bubble. It's all in there. Right. Is the bubble? Yeah. So I I think that's right because your eye the bubble is going to be more accurate than your eye, but then you find yourself chasing the bubble a whole bunch. Right. But then the, the, the no, images, you, you have to become one with the bubble and then it's no, and then it's no problem. But, but the image is so distorted that if the bubble is not matter. perfectly in the middle, then your horizon is going to be curved anyway. Yeah. So there does come a point with this camera that like, it doesn't matter having a level horizon because unless the bubble is perfectly in the middle, in which case the horizon is perfectly in the middle, if you tilt it just down a little bit to put the horizon like you know in the lower half of the frame, then the horizon is going to be a smiley face. But so, but it's okay as long as it's not crooked. You know. But does a crooked smiley face really detract from an image the same way that a crooked straight oh, it horizon? Oh, totally does? ruin it. Of course it matters. It would totally ruin it because you it would just be crooked. It would be you know. But can something be crooked if it's like already so curved? Well, but the curvature and crooked are two different things. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Hmm. <laughs> okay, I think on that note, <laughs> let's. Uh... If you were standing on the deck of the Titanic while it was sinking, oh, okay, dear. let's just let's just work this out. Okay. I'm not going anywhere with that. I just. I, I'm not. That was... So if you're on the Titanic while it's sinking, yes, the horizon would be crooked. <laughs> But but if you trusted the bubble, you'd be fine because you'd have to tr- you'd have to you'd have to turn the camera as the as the boat was listing more and further. You'd have to turn the camera more and more and more to keep it level, right? Yeah, that that's how a bubble level would work. Yeah, so that's I'm so you have to worship the bubble. You have to you are mm. nothing matters but the bubble. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Because because as you're sinking, you just want to have the horizon on the ocean be level. You don't. I mean, it can be distorted, but as long right. as it's level, it'll still look good. But if right. it was like if it was like distorted and then crooked, you'd be a loser. So it, it just occurred to me on that, and then, Simon, this is the last thing I'll say about bubble levels. It just occurred to me that is 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 a bubble level always flawless, like just by nature of the physics, because. Is a bubble level, what I'm trying to say is, is a bubble level the only perfect piece of photographic equipment that can never go out of calibration? I, I think Johnny's already answered that. Okay. I actually have, I just, actually have. Trust the bubble. A, well, until the bubble proves that it's not trustworthy. Because I have a bubble level that's not level. Like it's but, not, I have a couple of them and it doesn't sit 100% flat. Right, like so that's the structure in that that holds the bubble, but the bubble right. itself will always indicate the right spot. So you have to calibrate the level to the bubble. I guess right? that's true. Assuming the liquid is like not viscous. Anyway, anyway, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what you're but but what you're saying is, as long as the person who made the thing, you know, yes. didn't mess mess up and they did yes. the job correct. That's right. But I guess the same is with the lens, right? As long as they made it correctly. As long as they did, yeah. As long as they didn't like not center it correctly. As long as it's not uh, like off, off, off axis or whatever. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'm satisfied. Well, we've solved every question that we we brought up. We today, have, yeah, didn't we're, we? We're we're doing really well on that. There's Complete no two ways about sense. it. Um, let's do. A few because we've got a few emails. Um, let's 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 do some emails. Let's whiz whiz through some emails before we disappear. Oh crap! I thought we were I thought we were really going to be done without doing the emails. I thought oh. we had I thought we had escaped doing the emails. No, but let's, okay, let's, let's, let's do a, do a couple of them at least anyway. All right, all right. Hold on, I got to go. I yeah. have to go. Back so there are some more that we'll I think we'll put put to one side. But uh, um, let's. There's a, there's a couple in there I think we should do. All right. Hold on. Let me, I got to close out all these windows. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Jacob Herman wrote us on March 4th and his subject was older episodes. And he says, hello, Simon. Sorry. He wrote to Simon. Hello, Simon. I'm hearing about your podcast from Mike Gutterman. I can't get to the older episodes. The RSS feed is only showing the last 100 episodes. Are there, are there older are the older ones still available? I asked the same of Sunny 16 and they had to make adjustment to their feed to show all. Looking forward to binging. Thanks, Jacob. I have a sneaky feeling in our last podcast that 
we did together. I think I, I asked you I the same we, thing. I'm sure we did. Yeah, I thought we, I thought we talked no. about this, didn't we? It's, it's some weird RSS thing that's that needs to be changed. And I was going to have a go at it, and then I was scared of breaking the website, and then ran away from it. All right, I'm just going to really quickly here. I'm going to test this. I think Simon, you blamed Apple for it. Did, did you? I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, you and did, then, and I said, and I, yeah, that's right, and and I said the solution is just go to the podcast website and you can see all the episodes yeah. which you can yeah so but it can go. it can be changed though because it, it is in the settings that it only actually sends the last 100 episodes to apple oh it's a default setting with uh with podbean i don't know why it does that but that's, that's oh, just how it and is and i thought i i thought i i thought i updated it or something hold on a second i'm going to check this right now while we're in here I thought that I had clicked something that updated that, but maybe I didn't. I thought I did. Podcast dashboard. I thought I thought there was something there. I I don't know. I just I I don't ever use Apple for podcasts. Yeah, but it's, but uh, it's not it's not on Apple's bit. It is it is on our, our site. But we don't have to do that now. Sure, we do. Advanced <laughs> feed settings. Episode number limit. It says one hundred right here. Look at that. So I, how many episodes do you want to show on your feed? And I'm going to type every fucking one and let's see if that works. <laughs> <laughs> how many do we, a hundred, two, I'm just going to set it to 200. I'll set it to 2000. Oh, oh, episode number field must be 999 or less. Guess what? It's now 999. That's problem is solved. Yeah. Okay. Feature, feature request. Completed live on air. And it, you didn't get any messages saying you've got to do something weird or anything like that. Oh, shit. Except now it says, please input valid URL. Ah, here you go. This is the way it all goes wrong. Oh, well, the, the real problem there is if, if it only goes up to 999, then if we actually manage to do a show every single week, then after 19 years, uh, the problem <laughs> will, will show up again. <laughs> <laughs> rs set your podcast url in the rss feed all right link url in rss2 what is rss2 i wonder mm. i don't know i don't know what i don't know what's up with that yes some something something is strange but sunday 16 managed to do it did so, they well yeah. they're, you know but they're smart yeah well <laughs> i'll ask <laughs> I'll ask, I'll, ask, I'll ask Graham. I'll, uh, he, Graham is he, actually Graham is actually is intelligent. That's the difference. Yeah, we won't we won't let him know that. But yeah, I will ask him. Okay, so uh, we'll see we'll see what happened there. So we'll uh, see what we can do. Yeah. It, it, but short answer is in the meantime, you can you can go to the podcast website and get all of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we do do the one from Matt? Let's uh, let's let's do that one and then we'll call uh, it a day. All right, Matt. Right, wrote us on February 9th. Subject, the annoying email asking for the donate link I can't find. Yeah, just, just on, a, on a point there, this is uh, the bit that you're actually reading out is, is like the third part of a conversation I was having with Matt. So it started off with, how do I, how do I uh, donate to you? And it's a simple case of go to coffee.com, I think it's then forward slash classic lenses podcast. And I think that's how you All find right, so it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up then at his, his second paragraph. 
which is the relevant matter then at hand. Uh, because he, he says, while I have you, regarding yes. the question in this week's podcast about using rangefinder lenses on mirrorless cameras, I think Perry has the right answer with the M10. For people who can't afford that, uh, the one thing that got overlooked a little is that, at least in my experience, mm -hmm. wide-angle rangefinder lenses are a mess uh, on a mirror on mirrorless cameras when shot at distance, but you know... But I know you already know that. Okay. Um, okay. The one nugget I can add is that I have been using the Kalari Vision Thin Sensor Mod for the last several months on my Pan Panasonic S1. And I use any and all rangefinder lenses without issue, except for a magenta cast that needs to be removed in post. It is epic. I don't know if that. Is it all interesting to you guys? But I am happy to share my experience if you or anyone else is interested. Um, I don't know the Clary guys, but they might add. They might also have something to add. Um, it is a long story about how I came to see settle on the Panasonic S1. But you are correct. The EVF is way better than the Sony, and that was a big part of it. The mechanics are the mechanics of punching in and getting focus and getting out are also killer versus Sony. Sony is also essentially unusable with flash and manual focus lenses if you are shooting models. Finally, uh, the Leica SL doesn't work with Pro Photo, so that was not an option. Uh, I don't think many people are drooling over the S1, so I got mine super cheap, and now I have dedicated body for MF lenses. The sensor mod kills the camera for native lenses. Last thing, you are correct. Last, wait, last thing, you are correct. The external Leica digital finder is a complete piece of garbage. Uh, it is good for framing things with wide-angle lenses and is uh, sort of a waist-level finder for focusing. It is unusable. Uh, good on you for pointing that out. Thanks again, Matt. All right. Anything to add there? Nope. Perry, Perry, I mean, what's it? You, um, it's uh, Matt's got a got a website, and I think I've gone off the page now. Uh, I have, but it's got it's got a really cool font. Um, I've got to say that uh, because it looks suspiciously uh, close to the uh, the font that Leica use on their lenses. Uh, yes, and it is Leica lenses for normal people dot com. Yes. Um. I mean, I, I, I've not, I don't really know anything about the thin sensor mod. I've heard of it. Uh, and I guess it, it deals with the same issue that the Sony's uh, thick sensor stack thingy, filter thingy yeah. causes. I think we, we have actually, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this, but you know, way back. Uh, mm -hmm. was, I mean, this is an issue that goes back a long, a long, long way as well. Um, but we've never really gone into it in too much detail. But it's 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 all to do with that business about how light hits the sensor, and it, it digital likes to have light hitting the sensor from it, well perpendicular to it, whereas um, it just doesn't matter with film; it can take it from whichever angle it feels like. Um, hence, why some, in particular, wide-angle lenses, and especially as lenses that have a rear element that is is close, or well, the closer that rear element is getting to the sensor, um, the light at the edges 
that's coming out of the back of that rear element is hitting the the, the centre. It's a it's a, an increasingly oblique angle, um, uh-huh. which is and then that that's where you end up with smudges um, and fringing as well, um, and you just don't see that on film because film just laughs in the face of uh, angled light in the way that digital doesn't. Yeah, um, although I mean, just FYI, the magenta and green cast on the edge uh, with wide-angle lenses is actually worse on my digital Leica than on my Sony A7R2. Um, the smearing, the smearing is worse on the Sony, so the edges are are sharper on the Leica, but the color cast is worse. The color cast is is very well dealt with on the A7R2. I don't think it's the case on the A7 II. I think they changed something, um, and so you still get the weird color cast, but it's really not an issue on Sony. Right, even with the Rusar that is stuck on it. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Well, I think we should start to wind things down, and this is the bit where I normally want to say thank you to those people that are donated. Sorry. Wait. Are we, oh. are we skipping the last email? Uh, no. We can. We can do it. Yeah. If we've got. If you. If we've got time to do it, we can do it. Okay. I mean, there are actually some others. I just realised I needed. I needed to get some others across to you, but they they can just wait. Well, for it's the either time. way, you're 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 calm, man. No, no. Let's 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 do that one that I've okay. sent, and then uh, there there are others we'll do another time now. Yeah, and this one's short. Okay, this is from John Chabalco. I think is the correct pronunciation. Um, subject is classic lenses on digital cameras. It sounds suspiciously like the last email we just read. Uh, I just listened to the most recent episode. Thanks for taking my question. Of course, I need to push. Uh, towards getting an M10 winky eye smiley face <laughs> thing. I think if I go that route, the M10 is on my list. My main M10 favorite... M. What's that? Oh, and M10M. Yes, M10M. The monochrome. M. Yes. Uh, my takeaway from the discussion was that you just need to get comfortable with the workflow on the camera, which to me means that it's still not as simple as using a film camera. I'll probably go ahead and rent a body um, I have a slew of AIS lenses, two and the Nikon Z7. Now two is one of the cameras I'll be interested in checking out. Uh, someday shooting a digital body with an old lens could feel as simple as using a film body. I hope anyway. Cheers, John. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you should definitely get an M10 monochrome because that is super cool. Uh, the, the the Z7 Mark II, just a quick thing here, right? Um, with all of these newer bodies that are coming out and are priced in the kind of $3,000 range, it, it, just for me personally, if I were in the market for a new digital camera, I, I would be, it would really be a struggle for me to look past the GFX50R, which is around that price range now, just as a reference point. Yeah, well, certainly for our use case with uh, using old lenses, certainly. I mean, because I mean, if you if you're predominantly a digital shooter, I think there are quite a few limitations with that 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 Fuji. If you if you need all the uh, the bells and whistles uh, that that go with with modern cameras, uh, which that Fuji just is going to be lacking in. Um, right. But, but for people like us, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and of course you can always crop down to thirty five millimeter equivalent sensor size and and not deal with the coverage issue on some lenses. Um, but just the other thing that, that the GFX 50 R I can't get past is, um, it has X pan mode 
And it, Fu- Fuji needs to put that on every single one of their cameras because it's the greatest thing ever. And <laughs> I think the only other digital camera that has it is the Hasselblad X1D. So go ahead and uh, get yourself a digital X-Pen and life will be great. Mm. So M10 monochrome GFX 50R. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I if my my dream camera at the moment, if it was a digital, would be the uh, the GFX hundred S at the moment. I just yeah, but you only like that because it doesn't have a shutter speed dial because you're weird. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much it. And and a larger sensor, you know, those those two things together, that's 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 good. It's not too big either. Um, it's a decent. I think it's a decent size from what I can see of it. So um, yeah. so that that's that's another thing. I I think the the key is rangefinder style camera versus rangefinder camera. And I would, I would just have to say, having used an M10, I would not, I would not buy one, if I had the money, because it's stupid. Hmm. Because Wait, the range, because the rangefinder, because, because I still shot it like a, I keep wanting to say retard, and I know you people are all been out of shape about that word, but I'm sorry, I grew up in the '80s and every, everything was retarded, okay? Because you shoot it like a retard, you fire it on machine gun mode. Like I, I didn't even bother trying to get focused when I was using that camera. I was just like, Oh, I'll just take five shots in a row and one of them will be a focus. It's like, it's like, it defeats the whole point of having a rangefinder. You know what I mean? Like the whole, the whole reason of the whole, the whole reason for it being what it is like to me goes out the window when it's digital. I agree. Totally. Yeah, because because I, I I don't shoot it like a rangefinder camera. I just shoot it like a stupid any other stupid digital camera, yeah. which is I'm gonna just chimp eight eight shots on mm-hmm. five frames per second, and I'll get one that's in, that's one one that's in really good focus, and I'll worry about it later. And I hate that. I hate that I would do that with a camera that expensive. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If I mean, you just might as well get a get a get a like the GFX. 50 or something at that point. Hmm. Cause what's the difference? You're shooting it the same way, you know? I don't know. Yeah. No, to- totally on board. I think I've sort of said half of the story before, but, um, Hamish Gill, um, handed over that, uh, that camera. I think it was that camera and it had the, um, the clip on EVF and he asked yeah. me to take a picture with it. And I was thinking, what do we do with this? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was just stumped. I think, yeah, if it was film, I could have taken the photograph with it. But you're just thinking, well, why, why is this digital? <laughs> it just, it just didn't, make, didn't make any sense to me at all. And when I tried to use it as a digital camera, it was crap. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, um, that's my view. Um, but I like the monocom. That's fair enough. But that does something different than other cameras don't do. Yeah, get, it, I, get it, get it, get in, get an MP and a really good scanner would, would be my advice. Rather than an antenna. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, start to finish things off. I, uh, the uh, I'm on the coffee page, which actually I, they've redesigned everything. It took me a while to find it. So um, we haven't been on for a while, um, yet people have still been sending money, which is very, very nice of you, I've got to say. Um, so first one, going back to the 5th of February, was Christopher J. May. Uh, And he says, thanks for the great lens advice, gents. Looking forward to trying a bunch of your suggestions on the Z7 or Z7, as he may have bought. Um, And then uh, Randy Reed for you on Instagram uh, says, uh, just wondering, this on the 5th of February, uh, just wondering what your favorite LTM collapsible lens would be for a Leica Leica 3 camera 
um, just looking for some ideas um, and uh, I've been looking at the Canon 50mm 1.9 any thoughts oh we've got that means he sneaked a question there just as we we're trying to close the show um, so cl quickly collapsible LTM lenses what would we go for um, I haven't got a clue by the way so I'll, I'll default to you guys oh man well the, the Canon 50 1.9 Serenar is, is okay um, favorite oof it depends on the look you're going for. I mean, I, I I would actually go Leica on this one. The 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 fifty millimeter, like the version one Summicron, obviously, um, is is great. Uh, the Sumar and the Sumitar have more of a vintage look. Um, oh, I forgot about the Summicron. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really good. There you go. So yeah, it's a Summicron. <laughs> John, Johnny, any thoughts? I don't like collapsible lenses. Collapsible lenses. Period. I just don't like them. Sorry. Yeah. So I, if, I have no. I, I have no. I have no recommendation. What if it's an uncoated uh, collapsible sonar in contacts RF mount? Mm, yeah. No. Just give me the. Give me the. Give me the rigid lens. The proper one. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. I'll, I'll take the rigid one. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, then, as we heard earlier, Matt Wright, who says, uh, thanks, guys, uh, keep it up. Uh, thank you, Matt. Then we've got a slew of, uh, of uh, donors uh, from Brian Woolworth, a coffee supporter, who we don't know who he is, uh, Hong Lee. And then we go to Mike Rose on the 18th of February saying, uh, thank you, Simon, for your podcast. Um, it's been the real highlight for me over the last two years. I feel your earlier shows were, were a little bit more friendly uh, to the average user. Oh, there's more to this. There we go. Where are we? To open this up a bit more. Um, average to the average user. Um, obtaining affordable classic lenses. Don't forget the first 40 shows are still missing for Apple um, Apple iPhone users. So hopefully uh, we might... Well, just go to the goddamn website, you people. <laughs> I don't... How is this a problem? It's like turning the channel from two to five. I, yeah, but if you... Good like, Lord. Yeah, well, I, I don't actually know how you get... You know what? These... Donate more money and maybe we'll change it. <laughs> no. How about that? There's no, your answer. No, we're changing Give it. Give us we're more just money gonna... and we'll fix it. No, we're going <laughs> to fix it. We're going to fix it. No, um, I'm not going to fix it. Because <laughs> oh. you people are too lazy, you don't deserve it. No, it's it's fine. Let's just let's just let everybody who wants to listen, they can listen. Um, so, uh, Mike, Mike Epstein, thank you again, Mike. Uh, Gary Florshack, uh, Florshack, something like that. <laughs> thank you very much, and uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Dunn as well. So, um, th thank you all. Um, with a bit of luck, it won't be quite so long. Uh, in between now and the next podcast and I won't have to go through a whole list of the uh, names uh, as I've just done um, in fact we've got a couple of things lined up so hopefully they'll they'll come off come off for us uh, quite soon so uh, Johnny have you got any um, shout outs oh I don't I don't think so sorry I prob probably yes but but yeah I know exactly. the feeling. in theory yes Yes. Yeah. Likewise for me. How about, how about you, Perry? I don't have any shout outs, but I'm breaking news. Uh, while we have been recording or just before Leica has just announced, uh, an APO Sumicron 35 millimeter F2, a spherical that 
focuses down to 0.3 meters past the rangefinder coupling distance. So just FYI, guys, there's a new 35 Sumicron on uh, on the street. So that's going to be a, is that aimed at the those poor deluded digital um, <laughs> <laughs> M10Os? You, you need a digital camera to focus past 0.7 meters accurately. Yeah, or you could or you could use one of those old you know strings. <laughs> with, with yeah, the, use the string. You the, get, the, get the an str- M10. You get how much is a lens? What's the MSRP on that lens there, Perry? Uh, eight thousand one hundred ninety-five dollars. All right, so you're gonna spend eight thousand on the lens, and you're gonna spend six thousand on the camera, and walk around with a string with a knot with beads, on it. The, the, with the beads, yeah. yeah. With yeah. Oh, so, yeah, so you around. can you can buy one. It's it's full of like a dots. Is that what it says? Like a dots joined together with gold with gold thread. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, dude! You got to start making that as an accessory. You can buy those little like a red dots. Yeah. Um, because they fall off the lenses, and then just this three D print a string, and then put a bu- put a bunch of like a red dots on them. Sell it for two thousand dollars. Yeah, two thousand pounds. Make it pounds. Make it in gold. Make it make it gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 can make that happen. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Leica. <laughs> well, well, well done, Leica. Um, right. So, uh, Johnny, um, if people want to get in touch with the show, how what's the best way to do that? Uh, classic lenses podcast at gmail.com sounds good and uh, if people want to do things with Instagram because we don't actually have an Instagram feed of all of our own um, you know what I haven't been on Instagram in like two years but in theory there's this thing called best vintage lens there is and and yeah and if they're still running they are they are and they are okay pretty pretty pictures all right they're our friends so you can check them out on Instagram they, they, they had a picture today that creeped me out. It was like someone, a close up of someone's uh, face shot with um, 51.4 planar. And then they had a fish hook, like fishing bait hanging from their, their mouth. Um, and it was one of those triple hooks. And I hope that that hook had broken off and they were just hanging it from their mouth. Because if you actually put a fish hook through your mouth for a photograph, you're either David Blaine or you're nuts. Um, <laughs> So, like, don't do that, you know, for the sake of a photograph. It hurts. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, go to Best Vintage Lens. <laughs> yeah, sounds like good advice. Um, okay, then. So, uh, Perry, outside of this podcast, where can people see the things that you do? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at Perry G, and I will hopefully upload more photographs when I have them. And Johnny, where's your porch? Um, Northside Chicago, baby. Come, in, come on by. That's it. Come on uh, by, say hello. Um, okay, is there anything else we need to... Well, I'll, I'll say goodbye to my, my bits and bobs. Anything else we need to do before we go? No? No? no. Sounds, so. sounds good to me. Well, uh, I'm on Twitter as Simon4. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. You can also hear me every two weeks or so. Uh, on the large format photography podcast with Andrew Bartram and Eric Mathy. Um, I've got a website uh, which is www.simonforster.co. No, it's not. It's uh, simonforsterphotographic.co.uk uh, where you can buy a whole range of lens caps. And I've uh, re- very recently added Pentax 110 uh, lens wow. caps. Uh, at least two people have asked me to make them. Um, so uh, so I've, I've, I've now done it. 
and uh, I need to sell some lens caps to recoup my investment in the uh, the 50 millimeter 2.8 lens I bought <laughs> to be able to make these lens caps. Um, and that's just about it. Our music is by Kev McLeod of Incompetech.com and it's called Octo Blues. And that's it. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's month's whatever it is show. And if you can, be like Carl.